Welcome to Spectrum Sundays. I am Francesca D'Alessandro, a current master's student at University of Buffalo studying speech language pathology. Additionally, I am your Miss Thousand Islands of New York State, serving my community through AAA appreciation and awareness for autism. And I am Megan Sinisi, a Master of Health Science candidate studying to practice as a pediatric speech language pathologist. I am also Miss Central Pennsylvania and the founder of a nonprofit organization for autism titled From a New Perspective. Everyone deserves to feel accepted and included in every space they walk in. Our series aims to inspire you to advocate for yourself and on behalf of your loved ones. And we are so grateful that you're here with us today. Rochelle Gardner is an inspiring author and autistic self-advocate. She is a graduate of Altoona Area High School and hopes to one day become a motivational speaker. Through her lifetime, Rochelle has battled the challenges of depression, mental health, and physical health. Now she works to connect with others and share her story, including her experiences with autism, and hopes to encourage people to rise above their struggles and to embrace their identity. She has published several poems on these topics and is writing her way into the future one poem at a time. So thank you once again for being with us, Rochelle. We are really excited to share more about you and your hobbies and interests. Excited to be here. Really happy to be able to share it all. Great. So for anyone who hasn't watched our first episode together, could you just give a brief synopsis of who you are and what you like to do, some of your favorite activities? I really love being able to write and read and being able to watch movies and all that because I'm able to escape into those worlds and being able to see other perspectives and how other people can deal with things. It helps me deal with those around me as well as not hiding as much into my own world because it helps me being able to talk with others especially when with the bullying that I've had in my past for being autistic and having my own mental problems it allows me being able to learn how to have my own friendships and not just mess them all up because of my autism and people not understanding that yeah well you mentioned about some of your interest being poetry and how you utilize that as a tool to share your story and inspire others. So what made you find this love for poetry? How did that begin and how do you hope to use this toward your writing goals in the future? I first got into poetry actually whenever I read The Outsiders and, and it is the poem by Robert Frost, Nothing Gold Can Stay which I ended up memorizing immediately. And I think I memorized it because it's really true. Nothing can really stay with us. It's very fragile what we have. And I think that's huge because when we have something so fragile, we really have to treat it specially. And that's where I want to share what I have, these worlds I created for myself, because I'm not going to have them forever. There are going to come a time where I'm not going to need the worlds I've created. There's going to come a time where I'm going to be able to overcome my stuff and the worlds that I created help me get through the stuff in school and all that. I'm not going to need them anymore. So I'll get rid of them eventually. So being able to record them in my books and in my poems 
and record my experiences in my poems. I'll be able to look back and see them and remind myself why I keep going, why I keep advocating for myself and why I keep wanting to be a motivational speaker so that I don't just regress back into that state and give up again. Right. And life ebbs and flows. There's highs and there's lows. And I think what something you were alluding to is sometimes we grow out of different stages of our life. And um, it's an important concept to just embrace for anyone, regardless if they're on the autism spectrum or not. But it can be a really hard lesson to really learn and accept that sometimes there's really difficult times, but on the other side of those difficult times are really great wonderful times and we can just all we can do is appreciate those moments and those people that we have in those moments and on that topic you are such a strong and beautiful person inside and out so who has been a really strong support for you in your life whether that be for a short period of time or someone who's always been there for you honestly growing up I didn't really go to a specific person when I would have a hard time in school or something, I would come home to my one dog that we had, Maggie. She was so loyal to me and we got her right before I started school. And when I come home upset or anything, she'd be right there and she would just sit there and let me hug her and cry into her shoulder. And I tell her everything that I was upset about. And then she'd give me a kiss, basically saying, you know, it's okay. Pick yourself up. Let's go. Send move on with your day. And she'd walk away. And that was just kind of how she was like, okay, everything's all right. Now you've got to keep going. It's time to move on. You've got to go. And I think that's why when it was time to put her down after I graduated, I was like, I couldn't leave her side. I was there. And when she gave me that look like, is it okay to leave you? I was like, it's okay. I'll be fine. And now our Husky Sheltie mix has kind of taken on that exact persona where when I'm upset or anything she brings me a toy and it's like hey play you'll be up you'll be happy again it's time <laughs> to play and our German Shepherd pup if she sees me crying she'll come over and she'll lick my face until I just start laughing my butt off <laughs> and she'll keep licking and licking and it's just so funny it makes me laugh so much and, and that's really who supports yeah animals are the best and they can really bring us out of some dark struggles and, and be a very good support system. So I'm glad that you've had that throughout your lifetime. And even with a few different pets that mean a lot to you, that's something that I'm sure you'll remember forever. There's those hard days and how they made them better without even saying a word. So, on, much so. yeah. So on this topic of mental health, it's actually Mental Health Awareness Month, which is kind of fitting for this next question, but mental health is a large part of the message that you wish to share and to advocate for. So what do you think is most important for people to understand about depression or just mental health struggles in general? I've always been told that whenever I'm depressed or something that just make the decision to be happy and it'll happen. It's not as easy as that, especially when depressed or when you're going through mood changes, especially like I do. Like I get depressed, I'll, I could be depressed for months on end 
and not have a single ounce of happiness. Or I could switch my moods rapidly and go from depressed to happy to angry to depressed to sad and just switch. And even if I want to be happy, it just doesn't happen. And I honestly have envy for those that are just able to be like, oh, I want to be happy. Oh, I'm happy. That's great. But that smile that I put on for people at times, it's really just a smile. But if you look in my eyes, you a lot of times can see that sadness, that depression that just sits there for days on end. Because I'll think about something and it just sits there. That depression doesn't just go away. It's not as easy as just going, today I'm going to wake up and I'm going to be happy. It doesn't work like that. Depression doesn't wait for my decisions. It goes at its own pace. Mental health doesn't wait for my own decisions. And that's a huge misconception that people have is that you can just change your depression. You can just change the mental health and the way it flows. It doesn't always work like that. There are times where I want to get out of bed and my anxiety is telling me, let's go. We've got this and this and this and this and this to do. And my depression's going, yeah, but it's not like anybody's going to care. And I'll just sit there and fight with myself for an hour to get out of bed. And people don't always understand that. People who don't have that struggle don't understand that. And it's a huge misconception that people have. Well, as always, we appreciate your willingness to share some of the thoughts that are going through your head on a daily basis. And your vulnerability is really important for others to understand and to to appreciate that just because you're opening up about these struggles doesn't make you any less stronger of a person. If anything, it makes you stronger of a person because even though all of these really difficult things are happening in your mind, you are still able to push forward and take that next step. And my undergraduate major was psychology. And even though, sorry, excuse me, even though we learn so much about the science behind depression, we really don't know what it exactly is. Some people gain weight when they're depressed and some people lose weight when they're depressed, but they still get the same medications and the same treatment plans. And I think as we start to openly talk about this topic more more often, especially within the neurodiverse community, there will be an emphasis on finding proper treatments and proper forms of medications or habits so that we can be the most successful selves, our most successful selves. So as a person who has both autism and depression and anxiety, how do you manage and cope with your experiences in mental health? I honestly do a lot of just about everything I can to kind of manage it. I will go back and forth between writing to watching movies to doing something physical to playing games. Anything that I can do to try to get that happiness feeling, even though in reality that I really can't even define what happiness is because I really can't describe what happiness is anymore because it's like it's not there in my life 
but whenever I think about what I want to feel, I'll go and play a video game or watch a movie or read a book or even because my stepfather's been having problems where he's been on dialysis and stuff, I'll go help him or try to help my mom or even just play with the dogs. And it just adds to what I want to feel and what I want to try to get through because it adds so much more to trying to deal with it and cope with it. And it's the only way you really can truly cope with it other than meds. Because meds can only really do so much. The rest of it's on you. Meds don't take away at all. They just kind of suppress it. So to be able to find things that can help you. And I'm always told, you know, count to 10 deep breaths and all that. But they don't always work for me. They really don't. After I was probably like, 14, 15, and they really stopped working for me. So I had to learn other ways to be able to calm myself, to keep control and all that. And that was kind of what I came up with, was doing that stuff to be able to control it most of the time whenever everything else they were telling me failed. Yeah. And although there are a lot of misconceptions and stigma that surround mental health, it's really important for us to help people recognize how common it is in people. So the people that we see with big plates that are completely full and they're constantly busy, maybe they are that way and their success manifests through all of this busyness because they are trying not to leave any time for depression or for anxiety. So again, like we said in your previous episode, you never know what someone's going through. And it's always important to walk in someone else's shoes before making any type of judgment. So I think this mental health movement that's only on the rise and just beginning can really help with destigmatizing some of those stereotypes. But we wanted to shift our gears a little bit and talk more about the autism side of your experiences. And in our previous episode, you mentioned a little bit about masking and camouflaging some of your autistic traits as a way of a coping strategy, perhaps. So what are some of these things that you mask and how might you mask them? And also what is, what's the thing that society needs to learn so that we can lessen the pressure on people so they don't feel like they have to mask so much? A big thing that I had to learn, and this was really because not just in schools and stuff, but also because my own parents didn't understand it, looking people in the eyes. A lot of people go with looking people in the eyes. And unfortunately, that's something people with autism struggle with. And for me, I had to learn to either fake it and make it look like I was looking someone in the eyes or... I had to actually learn to look someone in the eyes most of the time. And because I learned that a lot of people, including my own psychiatrist, would start to get, have started to get fooled on the idea that I'm not autistic because of that. Because I started having to cover up that trait that was very idealistic with autism. And between that and also people very much that stigma that empathy they don't have empathy I cover that with my emotions 
because of my other disorders, I am very emotional. Mix it together and it very much, I very much cover it a lot of times. I cover it more. I've learned to cover the different things that I do, whereas we're messing with my ears, messing with the different things that I do to cover all my autistic traits. It's really come to cover the stuff that shows that I'm autistic so much that I've really even become the full psychiatrist to think that I'm not even autistic anymore because I've just gotten so good at covering my autism in public so as not to be judged. Yeah. How do you feel that anybody can, let's say educators or uh, working professionals, medical professionals, what can our society do to help people who have autism not to feel that way, not to feel the pressure? Do you feel that the answer is acceptance or what advice would you give to them? I feel like the encouragement that they don't have to do that, that they are okay to not look someone in the eyes, that it's not against the law, that they're not going to be judged just because they have a hard time doing that, just because they are different, just because my baby brother has a tendency to fold his ears. And I have a tendency to mess with my ears. And that's something we both have. And I even watched him get judged for that. And it's very hard because I feel like he's not doing it to be annoying or anything. But yet he's even judged for that. And I feel like if he's just told, like, that's not a bad thing. It's not something he's doing to be annoying. It's something he needs to cover up. It's him being himself. It's okay to be yourself. And that's something that I wasn't so much told growing up. It was something that I was told I had to hide. Like I had to look someone in the eyes. I had to look people in the eyes when I talked. It was expected of me. It was what society expected of me in order to fit in. I had to fit with society. Society was not going to accept me otherwise. And that is something that should not be told to someone with autistic that's something that should not be said. Right. And I think what you're getting at is not only to create an accepting society is, uh, sorry, we'll cut that out. I think what you're trying to say too, is that by creating an accepting society, we need to not only empathize with one another, but to not place or pass judgment on one another for their individual traits. Like you said, you fidget sometimes, or you might not look someone in the eye and not only to not just pass judgment, to, but, but to actively tell that person, it's okay. If you do that, um, I accept that as, as okay. It, it, it's, there's nothing wrong with that. And just actively telling people and reaffirming those traits can also be really helpful in creating an accepting society. Yeah, very much so. Well, could you also just share a little bit about your self-advocacy and why it's important 
for you and what motivates you to share your story with others? It motivates me because as I was, after I graduated, I actually had a year where I lost five people in one year to suicide. And it affected me negatively because at that time, I myself was in a dark place and I stopped. And as I thought about it, I'm like, why did each of them feel they needed to go? Why didn't anybody stop them? What made them feel like it just was not worth it? And as I thought about it, I found myself writing several poems and my book, my first book. And as I wrote, I found my own answer. And it was the fact that there really wasn't anybody contradicting the fact that it's okay to be different or there is nobody standing up for some of those people that need that. People didn't stand up for me whenever I was growing up in school. People didn't tell me that it was okay to be different at times. There were things that I was expected to just conform to society, not society accepting me. Even now, I'm a lot of times told that I need to conform to society's wants. And I want that to change. That's not the way it should be. The world is changing. And with that, we need to change for the world too. Society has to change for the world. As the world grows, society has to grow too. The world, society can't do that if we can't stay the change say the same so in order to just grow with the world we have to change our own way of thinking as well mm-hmm. so it's kind of important for each of us to stand up and I feel like those of us who have the ability to be able to talk about their stuff it's kind of our duty to be able to share our story to encourage others to talk about their own stuff and if I'm able to do that then I feel like it's kind of my responsibility to do so, to encourage others that it's okay to be different, that it's okay to be who they really are and not just conform because that's not the way society has to be. It's okay to change it. Rosa Parks changed the way people thought. Martin Luther King Jr. changed the way people thought. So why can't I? I love that. That just gave me chills hearing you say that because you can, you can change the world and your voice is so powerful and people want to hear it. So those people who aren't ready to share their story, or maybe they never will share their story, hearing someone else's could be the guiding light that gets them through the tough times. And that just helps them know, Hey, someone out there feels this way too. And there's a lot of power in solidarity and just knowing that someone sits with you in a certain experience or a certain circumstance. So on this topic, a big movement and something, especially on social media is hashtag actually autistic, where autistic people embrace other autistic people. And the main goal is to uplift their voices rather than having everybody speak for them. 
So Francesca and I are speech language pathologists and our, our goal in our profession is to give someone a voice. But a lot of times professionals can not understand that in trying to give someone a voice, they're also speaking for them. So what are some ways that, or I'm sorry, what do you think is important about amplifying the voices of people who are actually autistic and who actually have these experiences themselves? I think a big thing is the chance for them to be able to state in the, basically state in their own words. A lot of people, I've had people talk for me at times, not realizing that it's making me unable to be able to speak for myself as well. Even now, I am still learning to be able to speak in my appointments for myself. And it is still very hard for me. I grew up with my mom doing a lot of that. And though at the time it seemed like the right thing to do, it's made it very hard for me to take charge of my own appointments, to be able to do, schedule my appointments for myself and stuff. Now I am making a lot of effort to try to change that, but it's still a very hard thing to do. And so giving them the ability to be able to take charge and take point is very important. Teaching them beforehand, you know, what to do, what to say is so important because eventually you may not be able to go with them or you might not be there. There may come a point where you're not there. I've had to face that. My mom wasn't able to be there for some of my appointments because my stepfather ended up in the hospital. I had to go myself. And it was scary because I wasn't, I was alone suddenly. It wasn't normal for me. And suddenly I had to face all of it alone. And suddenly I was like, what do I say? It shouldn't be like that. They should be taught early enough that they know what they're supposed to say it shouldn't come to a point where you just are like what do I say now I don't know what to do it's very important they learn it's very important everybody knows how to do that and not just those who are capable automatically but those who are also autistic those who have mental disorders all of us because there may come a point where you aren't around to do it for them Right. And being independent is so important. And I think some people take that for granted that we have the ability to make phone calls and not second doubt what we're saying or what we're going to say. And everyone has a voice. It's just a matter of knowing how or when to use it. Everyone has their own thoughts and opinions, but it can be hard to recognize when to utilize and to speak up and to do something with your your thoughts and your voice but that's why that hashtag actually autistic is really important and then also just sharing stories and talking to one another is really important too because these moments of inspiration can help empower someone else and as social media is really becoming a primary form of communication between a lot of people especially during time at home. And now I think it's really shaped how we see virtual life. 
what are some of your favorite mental health uh, organizations that you follow, either pages or resources that you use um, to help guide you through your journey? And actually not just mental health, but autism as well. Honestly, a lot of the things that I use, I'll use, I follow um, NAMI a lot of the times. And then I've had a tendency to follow um, the people who are in charge of the Out of the Darkness walk. And I also tend to follow different motivational speakers, such as like Darman. And then because you can learn so much just from watching them on being independent and also how to be in the real world because there are so many lessons that will teach you so many things you can learn from being around them and watching their videos, even though they're not even in person because though they're not in person, they're showing you what you need to know Dar man has a texting family that he texts daily and I'm on that texting list and he texts stuff motivationally every day and every day I'll look at what he texts and I'll think about what he has said and a lot of times that gives me just the boost I need to get by every single day sometimes I'll feel down and I'll look and that text will come in just the right time and I'll look at it and I'll be like, that's just what I needed to hear today. And it's just that little bit of a boost to see, or I'll see something from, ironically enough, there are some Husky, Husky um, things on YouTube that I watch and some of them are just so cute. They're uplifting because dogs, they think differently. They think how, sometimes we humans should think and you look at them and it's just like that just made me think of something I should do that made me think of what I feel like I should do today that uplifted my mood I'm good to go let's go tackle that thing that I thought I should do earlier that I got depressed about it just gives that lifting moment that I needed and it really though it's not the ideal way that people always think it literally can just give you that uplifting moment that you need in just that exact moment that you normally don't think about. Yeah, well, those are some wonderful resources and we're so glad that you shared them and even maybe inspired someone to look at their pets in a little, a little bit different of a light or seek out resources that aren't typically thought of for support like watching dog videos. I know I get so giddy when I watch proposal videos on YouTube <laughs> and that lifts my mood. So anytime that someone can look to the internet for something positive is really great. And I know that NAMI is a wonderful organization too that has so many different resources for anyone struggling with mental health. So thank you so much, Rochelle, for visiting with us. We have really enjoyed this conversation with you. It's been one of our more unique episodes where we got to really dive deep into what it means to have autism and the effects of mental health that may come along with a diagnosis. So thank you for being so raw and vulnerable with us. And we wish you the absolute best of luck in all of your aspirations. We have no doubt that you will achieve everything that you set your mind to. And we're so grateful that you came with us to share your story. Thank you so much for giving me this chance.
I'm so glad I was able to share all this. Well, we're so happy that you could be here. And for anybody who is watching or listening who really enjoyed this episode clearly as much as we did, then please make sure to follow Rochelle on Facebook. Um, she is at facebook.com slash the lunar rose writers and facebook.com slash chaos loves frack and chaos is spelled k-o-a-o-s thank you everyone for watching and we will see you next sunday thank you for listening to spectrum sundays we are your hosts miss thousand islands francesca d'alessandro and miss central pennsylvania megan sinisi Please make sure to subscribe to our series and follow us on social media to stay connected with autism professionals and self-advocates. And remember, true impact is accomplished through active listening and exploring the world through a variety of perspectives. Join us next week on Spectrum Sundays to help cultivate a community of inclusion, appreciation, and acceptance around autism. 